Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. We hear people say it all the time. We try to reconcile, but it's just impossible. We had difficulty in our relationship. We were separated or estranged. We got back together thinking we can do it, and then it didn't work. You know why? Because they didn't know how to do it. Oh, they were sincere. They wanted to, but if you don't know how to do it, it's almost always going to fail. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about reconciliation. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. And I am Kimberly Holmes, CEO of Marriage Helper. And on this episode of Relationship Radio, we'll talk about reconciliation. Can it be done? If so, how do you do it? This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International. Hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and the CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel and click the bell to be notified every time we release new content. If you have a relationship question, follow the link in the description to see which topic is up for discussion this week. We can't wait to answer your questions and have you join our community. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. So, Kimberly, we work with thousands and thousands of couples, and you know as well as I do how many stories we hear of couples who thought they were reconciling, but in actuality, they weren't. How does that happen? Well, I think it happens in a, in a couple of ways, but one of the main ways we see this happen is where couples are saying, okay, so my spouse moved back in, or a lot of the couples we worked with, there's been an affair. So maybe they're saying he ended or she ended the affair. Therefore, we're reconciling. So they're really taking that just because something stopped, that something has started, but that's not true. They're actually, those are two different things. Your spouse could come back or you could, you know, at least say, we want to work on this, but there's still more you have to do before you're actually reconciling. Just living in the same house does not mean you're reconciling. Right. And calling it reconciling doesn't make it reconciling. There's a problem you have to go through. That's right. You can call you can call a hamburger a salad all you want, but it's still a hamburger. Well, that's exactly what I do, and that's why I keep gaining weight. <laughs> Salad's making me fat. So we look at this and go, hmm, is there a way to do this? And the answer is yes. But understand that it's a process that should probably not be done rapidly. Now we're not saying it's impossible to do it that quickly, but we're saying it's exceptionally difficult to do so. We often talk about it like this. People sometimes think it's just like jumping into the deep end of the pool. Since we know each other, had a previous relationship, we know how to swim. But there are now hazards in that deep end of the pool that have occurred because of your difficulties. And you don't know where all those hazards are, even if you think you do, in all likelihood. And if you dive in, you're going to hurt yourself. 
And so we say, rather than just jumping in wholeheartedly, there's a process. So wade in from the shallow end of the pool. Just take a step at a time. And sometimes there'll be a couple of steps back. Sometimes a step to the right or a step to the left. But it's the process. And we have worked out that process and helped many people work through it. And so if you're going to reconcile, Kimberly, does it require at the outset that we have decided and committed to reconcile? Or can reconciliation actually start before that? Very good question. Reconciliation can start before both people are committed to it, but it does at least take both people being willing to explore reconciliation. And this is where a lot of people get hung up as well, where they're wanting to reconcile. So one spouse is wanting for the reconciliation to happen, but the other spouse isn't there yet. And they're not even willing to consider it right now. If that's the, if that's the circumstance, you're not reconciling. You've still got to get your spouse to come around to that. There's a different thing you can do at that point. But your spouse also doesn't have to say, I'm 100% in for you to be reconciling either. There's this there's this middle area of it. Mm-hmm. It's a process. And even if the other person says, okay, I'm willing to consider reconciliation, that process has to be followed because if you go too quickly, the other person gets scared off. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can handle this. But Kimberly, in this episode, we have several people who've called and asked questions that have to do with reconciliation in one way or another. So let's see if we can answer some of those questions before our episode's over. Hi, my question is, if my wife is uh, telling me she wants a divorce but keeps texting me daily, um, what what positives are there uh, out of that? And also, um, should I start to bring up our reconciliation options, our divorce paperwork uh, just started. So I feel like I have some time there, but I'm definitely worried that she's going to continue down that path and us almost seeming like everything is normal by us texting daily about our two kids. It's just kind of confusing for me at this point, whether I should start asking about reconciliation at this point. So Joe, in this question that this caller had, they are divorcing. They have filed for divorce, but the wife is beginning to text him again. Would you consider this reconciliation? No, I would consider it a possibility of reconciliation, but wouldn't call it reconciliation. Now, it's a change in behavior, and we should say, or at least we would say, I think be happy with that. At least you're communicating with each other now. That's a good thing. Don't let the divorce thing make you feel like you've got to speed up or even slow down. You understand that reconciliation can occur even after a couple's divorced. Not long ago, we had a couple who had been divorced for five years, worked through with one of our coaches, our reconciliation process, which we call exploring reconciliation. And after working through that process, then it so happens that particular coach who works for us is also an ordained minister, and he was able to actually remarry them after five years. So don't let divorce be something that panics you or think something's got to happen in a certain period of time. I mean, we are against divorce if you're against divorce. What we're saying is if you want to save the marriage, we definitely want you to save the marriage. We want to help you any way we can to save the marriage. But the fact that she's texting you could indicate a possibility of reconciliation down the line, but unless she's unless she's actually texting, I want to come home, let's fix this, I wouldn't put too much into it. I would take hope in it, but not too much hope. What do you think, Kimberly? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Texting is a good sign. It's a great opener for conversation and an opportunity for the people who know about smart contact to practice that smart contact, right? Because we've got to get that communication back. So it's an opportunity. 
But what are you going to do with that opportunity? And just like you said, if you try and rush it, I when I and with all of the what we're talking about with reconciliation, here's the thing that keeps coming to my mind. What we teach at Marriage Helper is that there's a process to falling in love, and we call it the love path, right? When you first start dating your spouse, you follow this love path and it takes time. And if you try and rush it, you're going to creep the person out and they're going to run away. <laughs> but you also but you also don't go too slow either because then then when you're dating the person the other person's going to think, "Well, do they like me? Do they not?" right? So that it follows the flow that it follows and it's different for every person. Well, what reconciliation is falling back in love. So we're just going back down that love path. Now there's a little more to it because we actually have a system that we teach people in exploring reconciliation that they follow that helps this happen. But that's that's the mindset people need to get in. It's like you're dating again and you need to fall back in love. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that we do at Marriage Helper. We break things down into processes which are, which are easily to understand and then are doable. You can actually follow the process. Now, sometimes parts of the process can be a little hard to do because we're talking about human beings and relationships, but the processes themselves are simple. And so we look at this and go, first of all, I'm going to re- be repetitive. Be happy that she's texting you, that she seems to have a change of attitude, change of behavior. Good. Take comfort in that. A little bit of hope if you want, but don't push it too far and expect too much. And understand that even in text messages, even though that's a good start, the best communication takes place when you actually talk to each other, if you can actually see each other. So we'd say email would be the least effective way. Text would be the next least effective way after that. Then talking to each other on the phone where you can't see each other, because the best way would be where you actually can look at each other. Now, whether that's by Zoom or some other software, or you actually get to be across the table from each other in a restaurant somewhere, that's all good. So take some hope, let it develop. And if it does develop and you still love her, then we can teach you a process that if you come to the point, each of you comes to the point, we can show you how to go through that process and put this back together. If it can be put back together, we can show you how. But Kimberly, we have a lot more questions on the same subject, right? Let's see if we can get to it. My husband had an affair. Now the affair is over and he wants us to reconcile. But he continues saying lies to me. He says that there was not an affair. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do to file for divorce. I don't believe him. He's the best dad in the world, but I can't believe him. He's lying to me. He don't want to recognize his fault. It is awfully difficult to develop a relationship when you feel that you can't trust the other person to tell you the truth. We understand that. Generally speaking, there are three kinds of liars. There's the get out of trouble liar. Like, oh my goodness, if I tell you the truth, bad things are going to happen to me. And then there's the protective liar. Like, well, because I think this will be so painful for you, I'm not going to tell you the truth. And this is my effort to protect you. Even if you don't see it that way, they see it that way. This is my effort to protect you. And then they're just liars. I mean, people who just have some kind of a character flaw where they have extreme difficulty telling the truth. Now, obviously, we can't judge which one of those your spouse is. But we do know that if you're going to put this back together, there has to come a point at some time where that you can trust what he's saying is true. Now, does that mean you just stop now and give up? Actually, no. 
And the exploring reconciliation process we teach, we actually use our fingers to guide you through a process uh, because we can point here, point here and say this is what's going to happen. But but without having time to explain it in great detail now, because it would take much too long for this episode, we actually say you're not going to start talking about the problems. In other words, here's where he's more likely to lie, like Mm. what I did, what you think I did, those kinds of things. And so we teach a process where you've actually done one, two, three other things before you ever get to that. And through this process of these other things, if he's that get out of trouble liar, or if he's the protective liar through this process, hopefully he gets to the point of realizing the best thing to do here is to tell the truth because you're not going to punish me. It, I'm sure you're not going to like everything you hear, but you're not going to punish me. And and there's nothing I need to protect you from because the truth is what's going to set us free. So starting right there, if that's what you're doing now, that's probably why he's denying. That's probably also why he's lying. Probably. I don't know him. I can't say for sure. And so there's a process to change that behavior. There is. And the process we teach, one of one of the key things I would say about it is it's all about building that foundation just of good communication between the two of you before getting into the problems. And I think that so many times that is where the couples, especially the ones that we see who try counseling and say, we went to the counselor, but it made it worse, or we ended up fighting or the counselor took sides or ultimately told us to just divorce, you know, the crazy things we hear, but, but it's because the counselor starts there. Let's talk about the problems and they haven't connected emotionally in a positive way yet. The couple hasn't. So we really want to help people do that first and adjust the problems. Now there may be, there may be some good, great and wonderful counselors out there because they do exist by the way. Awesome. Who will help people develop some kind of understanding before they get to the problems. But the majority will start in our system right here. And we're saying, no, there's a lot to do before that. And so the fact that he's lying to you right now, that's not good. I don't, I don't blame him for being upset. The fact that he's denying responsibility, not good. I don't blame him for being upset. Now, I cannot tell you, neither can Kimberly, because we don't know him. And even if we did, we'd be speculating as to whether you can get to the point where he tells you the truth. But we offer a system that if anything works to get him to tell the truth, this system will. So my suggestion is don't give up on him yet. I mean, there's still a way, there's a possibility of putting this thing back together, even in your hurt, if you can contain the hurt long enough to work through some of these things. But as Kimberly said earlier, both of you have to be willing to work through the process. Even if neither one of you is committed yet to reconcile, you both have to work through the process of exploring reconciliation. A final thing that I would ask this woman is to... Even going back to the questions you said at the beginning of this, of this, there's three different types of liars. Just because your husband is lying doesn't necessarily make him a bad person. Those are two different things. Lying is not good, of course. But it's you're, a bad thing, but not a bad person. It's a bad thing. But is your spouse, is your husband in this case, still a good person? And it, at least giving that question and letting people think about it, what I have seen is it at least introduces empathy into the situation where you're at least able to see things from a bit of a different perspective and it can help calm you down when you're able to empathize a little more with the other person. Hmm, that's excellent. I, I really liked the way you said that. That makes a lot of sense. And that's what we try to do. Excellent. Well, I think we have a few more questions about this that we'll have time to get to. So let's just move on. 
Dr. Joe Beam and Kimberly Holmes will be back in just a moment to answer more of your questions. You won't want to miss it. I wanted to let you know that if your spouse has disengaged, wants out, or has asked for a divorce, and you're trying to get them back, we have a free mini course for you. This course teaches you what to do, what not to do, and gives you a roadmap for what to do next in order to get your spouse to open up and want to work on your marriage. If anything works, this will. Follow the link on the screen or in the description to get access to the free mini course today. Me and my husband have just um, begun the reconciliation process um, after his affair. It lasted about four months. I'm kind of at the point where we need to start discussing things to heal our intimate relationship. And I'm I'm at a standstill. I don't really know what to ask um, and what not to ask. I know I've seen a lot on the Marriage Helper website saying, uh, don't create visuals for myself. But it seems like every question that I have is is a question that will create a visual. And so I guess what I'm wanting to know is, what are some good questions that will begin the healing process and help me and my husband move forward um, instead of dwelling on, um, I guess, the infidelity and, and the affair? One of the things we talk about at Marriage Helper is the how you don't want to create visuals. So I'm sure this caller has heard that in something else we've we've said, but here is basically what that means. If I'm going to ask a question to my husband that's going to put a picture in my mind, such as if if Rob had had an affair um, and I were to ask him, where did you go? What did you do while you were there? Which hotel were you at? Which room? What did the bed? I mean, if it's going to put a picture in my mind of what was there, then we really strongly encourage people to think 800 times before they ask that question. Because here's what happens. If I make a picture in my mind and make this visual, then it's not going to be what actually happened. It's going to be my interpretation of it. And because I'm the one who was hurt, it's probably going to be blown out of proportion. I'm going to see it in my mind bigger, badder than it actually was or probably was in reality. And so then you have two people who there's a husband in this case, if it was my husband, then there would be Rob who knows what actually happened and he's trying to forget it. And then me who's thinking of what happened and I can't forget it. And we're go- that's just going to be another point of contention as we're trying to reconcile and move on. Now, I will say it's human nature to want to understand. We want to understand why something happened. And what, what's really interesting that happens in our brains is we will tell ourselves stories to find peace with why something happened. So I, we understand why people want to ask these questions. But do you actually need the details in order to understand why it happened and to be able to move forward from it. I don't think you do. I think there's better questions that could be asked, but we really recommend people don't ask those visual questions to start with. Yeah. I actually was talking to recently to a friend of mine, a really good guy. I like him a lot who after his wife's affair felt that he just needed to know all the details. There's something interesting. And I I was explaining this again, even yesterday to somebody else. When a person passes a boundary, a barrier, searches having an affair, then typically all the fences fall. 
And so if if I'm having an affair and I've crossed that boundary because that, I understand that's wrong, it's against my beliefs and values, and I do that. If I violate that big, big boundary, then the other fences around me just fall as well, which means I'll wind up doing things I would not have done before. And so in this particular friend of mine I was talking to, his wife had done that. When the barriers fell, she did some things with the other man that she had never done before. Now, he asked all those questions. She answered honestly. And now he not only has the vision in his head of what happened, which is not exact reality because he didn't see it. It's his own mental picture of that. But also now it's like, but you never did this with me. You've never been that uninhibited with me, et cetera. And even, even understanding, well, I understand once you pass that barrier, other fences fall and people do all kinds of things that once they come back on the right side of the barrier, if you will, that again, are things they don't want to do. But I feel like then he got something I didn't get. I feel like that she was more uninhibited with him than with me. And the answer to that is if she probably was now the best way to keep that from being in your brain and start resenting even more, all the things that occurred because you resented already is, is if don't ask those questions and you say, but I'm going to get mental pictures of them anyway. But as long as they're not affirmed, in other words, your your spouse doesn't say, yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. And as long as you're not asking specific details, like Kimberly said, even where did you go, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this uh, friend of mine asked very specific details. Then then I'm saying that it's not healthy for you in the long run. Even if you have this unbelievable curiosity in the short run, mm-hmm. it's not good for you in the long run. And it's not good for your spouse in the long run. It builds up all kinds of resentments and bad pictures and et cetera. And so our recommendation for you doing that is for you. <laughs> not to help your spouse get away from with something, but for you. Is she saying, then what can I ask? Is that, is that what she's saying here? What should I ask? If I'm not going to ask questions to create visuals. Yes, that is what she's asking. But I think another thing we need to address here as well is, is it actually time to start asking these questions? So she wants to know, what do I ask? But what we might want to step back and say is, is it time? Great point. Because in the system we teach, you're going to go through three different phases before you get to those asking questions. And there's a real strong reason for going through these because it's going to create rapport. It's going to create trust. It's going to create an environment where you can both feel comfortable being open with the other person without fearing judgment or reprisal. And and that, uh, that's an excellent point, Kimberly. I would have skipped over that without thinking about it, but you're dead on. Wow. <laughs> Don't ask any questions for a while. There's other things first. This even relates back to the caller we heard right before this one, because her question was, how do I know if my husband is trustworthy? I feel like he's lying. I feel like these things. But this goes right in, because if you haven't established that rapport and you're asking these questions and and it's just, you know, bullet fast and did you do this, that or the other, and you're overwhelming them, it's more likely they're they're going to feel like lying. Right. You it's not time to ask them yet. So these could play into each other. And, and really you need to be sure that the timing, timing is, timing is so crucial with many things. In our <laughs> so many things. So many things. Um, because if you do this too quick, then, then it could end up really backfiring. But then with her question of what do I ask? That's a very vague question too. Well, and sometimes we can help give guidance to that. Now there are some things, basically what people generally want to wind up knowing is why. What's wrong with me? Why don't you like me? Why didn't you do that with me? Why did you do that with him or her, etc.? And ultimately, that's the question that people want to get to is why. Understand this, though. 
that when and, and we understand that. And there are time to ask those questions, as Kimberly said. But the other person's not always going to be able to give you an answer. And you're going to be saying, oh, no, everybody knows why they do what they do. Even you don't know why you do all the things that you do. I'll guarantee you, if we hung out with you for a couple of days, we'd see you do something and say, why would you do that? Or why would you say it that way? And you'd look at us and go, I don't know. Because sometimes it's coming out of the subconscious, not the conscious. And people don't really understand all the reasons for it. Well, you can go through some years of psychotherapy and understand everything if you wish. Or maybe just accept the fact that sometimes they do know why and sometimes they don't know why. And so rather than trying to understand every nuance of emotion, what you try to do is figure out how do we deal with what happened and then what should happen next. Mm-hmm. And so those kind of questions <clears throat> in our Exploring Reconciliation, uh, is it called a kit or a course? Why do we call that thing? Exploring Reconciliation? Of course. Mm-hmm. We just call it Exploring Reconciliation, right? There's like three or four hours of videos in that that Kimberly and I and another fellow, Jim Porto, did with us. And actually in the workbook with that, Kimberly gives some questions to ask, particularly down in this portion down here. Like, how do you ask questions that get you to have rapport and really truly listening to each other before you get to the tough things? And so timing is a key. Working up to it slowly is a key. Not asking visuals is a key. And not pressing for whys. Because sometimes the other person won't be able to explain it to you because they can't even explain it to themselves. And so what do you talk about? Well, talk about things to begin with that are easy. As a matter of fact, we call this the E system. And the first step is to put each other at ease. And then this is the explore step. And there are two different things to explore before you get to that. Yeah. And I'm I'm not just saying this to push our coaching, but honestly, I believe that when people get to this point where they're starting to ask these questions and they're having these types of conversations in their reconciliation process, it is priceless to have an unbiased third party. Professional. Professional. Yes. Not your next door neighbor, please. But actually, and, and this is what our coaches are so good at because they're trained on how to handle this, on how to work you through this whole system. But, but there are going to be things that come up in this that are going to be emotional. There are going to be ways, even just ways of how you word questions can be so crucial here. And so it is great to have that coach and even the coach to have that feedback or that sounding board of saying, do you want to ask that question? Right. Really sure. Right. Now, our coaches are not counselors, they're not therapists. So don't think they're licensed professional counselors, things like that. They're not. They're people that we've trained, people who have some degree of wisdom, people who understand our systems, Mm -hmm. who can then help you. Like Kimberly just said, sometimes you just probably should ask the coach. I want to ask my husband this. Is that smart? And your coach can help you think that through. Now, typically, they're not going to say, yes, it's smart. No, it's not smart. Typically, they're going to say, well, let me help you think through what will happen if you ask that question. And and that can, as Kimberly said, be absolutely priceless. And so we recommend still don't ask the visuals. Be careful about asking anything until you get to the right place in the process. That is key. He's seen a counselor to make a decision on staying with me or her. I actually thought that he was happy to come home and he was really committed. I just wanted to know what I can do if he's trying to come back, but then he says he can't stop thinking about her. I know this hurts because of the fact that you already feel that you've been replaced in his heart by this other woman. And he still has this emotional bond with her where he's missing her. And so I get it. It hurts. And and you don't even want to know that he feels that way. At least you think you don't want to know that he feels that way. 
But a couple of things to understand. When people have uh, bonded emotionally with another person than their spouse, often they go through a process that we refer to as limerence. Now, you can find about limerence by going to our YouTube channel, youtube.com marriage helper. And by the way, always, if you go there, please uh, subscribe because it helps us reach more people. Or you can find uh, more specific things we teach about limerence that get much more involved, much more detailed, much more scientific from a social standpoint. But just to understand this point here, that when people get that kind of emotional bond with the other person that leads them to stray, at least emotionally, if not a sexually straying out of the marriage, it doesn't end like that. For more than a quarter of a century, I've been working with marriages and I've seen limerence end like that once, (laughs) once out of a quarter of a century, once out of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of couples once. It typically goes more like this. And so if he's decided to come home and be with you, then he's being honest when he says he misses her. Now, if you don't want to hear that, you can tell him, I understand that you're grieving, but but it hurts me to hear it. You have the right to say that if you wish, but if you want to bond with him even faster and put this marriage back together in a better way, then help him grieve. You say, I don't want him to grieve. I get that. But you understand anytime you lose something that you perceive as being very important to you, you will go through a grief process. And he is in that grief process. And that's why he's still feeling those things. Now, how can you best replace those emotions? By being there for him and accepting what he feels, even if it hurts. Not accepting everything he does, but accepting what he feels, even if he hurts. If he can be open and transparent with you, you will evolve through becoming his friend to becoming his best friend to again, at some point, becoming his lover. Now, I can't guarantee it's going to happen rapidly. I can't even guarantee that it absolutely will happen because human beings all vary a little bit. But I'm telling you, for over a quarter of a century, I've been watching it happen over and over and over and over again. And so if you can somehow help him deal with the grief. Uh, Kimberly, remember our particular client who's now working with us as one of our coaches, that she helped her husband go through the grief process when that limerick affair ended? Yes. And she was incredibly strong for it. But she just had, first of all, such a belief of wanting to save her marriage and a vision that it could be better than it had been. And that, I believe, was one of the main things that helped her be there for him while he was grieving. Because she knew it wasn't going to last forever, but it was going to last for now. And so she did. She handled it beautifully. She was there for him. She, and now she wouldn't just let him go on and on. And, you know, I think there were some boundaries for herself that she put in where at some point she said, you know, I understand that you're hurting that's, but let's talk about it more later or more tomorrow. That's fine. But the whole point is she didn't attack him for how she felt or how he felt. And, and she didn't try and make him feel guilty for having those feelings that he was feeling in the moment, because even with, with what we know about grief and, you know, we have someone on our team who's an expert in dealing with loss and overcoming it. We know that people need to go through that. They need to go through every stage of that loss cycle in order to really get through it. They can't be stunted or held back from it. That'll just keep them stuck. That's right. By the way, if you think, wow, I don't know if I could be as strong as she, uh, there were times when she wavered. <laughs> she called me once and asked if I happened to know any attorneys where she lived. It just so happened 
one of my best friends uh, had a daughter that lived there who was an attorney. So I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. I do know an attorney there. Uh, so I know that she vacillated on occasion because she was human. She was not superhuman. She was human. But she hung in there. They are doing exceptionally well today. I mean, they are happy as they can be. It's had a great effect on their kids to put it back together. And so that strength is not like every day you're Superman. <laughs> but if you can if you can tolerate them going through the grief process, then can it be part of the reconciliation? And that definitely is part of it. Yes, it's part of helping people reconcile. But remember, you're not jumping in the deep end of the pool. You're wading in. So, Kimberly, we need to make two or three points here at the end to kind of sum this up and make sure we've gotten our point across. Uh, let's do that in just a moment or so. Even though we were 10 years into marriage and, and we had three children at the time, um, it really felt like the, the, a lot of it had been a lie. We had done such a good job of making everything look like it was in this pretty package with a nice shiny bow on top. So if we could just not address the issues that were underlying, then it would be okay. Multiple cases of infidelity on, on my part, one case of infidelity on Whitney's part. It was really bad. I mean, we, we were in real bad shape. We went into the workshop with with no clue how to move forward. I came in scared. I came in hopeless. I came in angry. We had been to three different marriage counselors in, in the first 10 years of our marriage. We got like one decent takeaway. There was just so much pain, so much hurt. It, it just seemed impossible. And for me, I guess I just felt, why not? It can't hurt anything, you know, just go listen. If we walk away with something great, um, I'm an optimist. So I guess I just kind of assumed that there would be something to take away. And there was a lot to take away from that. Uh, we left with, for the first time really, a, a picture of what it would look like to get past this. I learned that it's okay not to be okay. But what's just as important is it's not okay to stay there. It's either gonna work itself out, which is unrealistic, or we need to walk away, which we didn't wanna do, then we have to do something. And so our something was going to this workshop. It helps so much with just relationship skills. Learning effective ways to communicate with each other helped us to be more understanding, um, be more respectful to walk away with some tactics, I guess, on how to communicate intentionally with real conversation, not just logistics, but you walk away with tools and those tools allow you to take the next right step. We're sitting here seven years later and it is a daily impact on our marriage, on our children, regardless of, of how lost, how broken, how hopeless you, you believe the circumstance is, if you're just willing to invest a little bit of time, it, it's incredible the long-lasting impact that it can have. All right, Joe, so we have talked about a lot having to do with reconciliation, but one of the key things we keep coming back to is, are you there yet or are you not? So my final question that I want us to leave the, the listeners and watchers with is how do they know 
if they are actually reconciling or not. Okay. That's actually a, a very, very good question. Unfortunately, it has kind of a nebulous answer. In the system that we teach, the E system, this is the E step, explore, explain, engage, etc. In our system, you don't even make a decision until you get to here. But if you've gone through all of these principles, the way that we teach you to do, if you've gone through these phases and steps, the process, because we're all about processes. If you go through that process, then when you get here, you can make a decision. If you decide, nope, we're not going to work this thing out. We're going to go our separate ways. At least at that point, you know exactly what you're walking away from because you figured it all out right here. If you decide, you know what? We'll do this. Let's reconcile. At least now you have a plan. You know how to do it in a way that is workable, a way that's doable. So technically speaking, until you finally make a, a firm decision one way or the other, technically speaking, you're not reconciling. Yet, at the same time, just by going through the process, you've actually done part of the reconciliation work. So that's why it's kind of a nebulous answer. But at some point, you either commit, I'm in or I'm out. But we ask people, before you make that decision, follow the process. So either you know exactly what you're walking away from or you know what to do to make it all work. Then then you can be so much more confident in your decision because it's not just based on what emotion you feel at the moment, whether it's anger or fear or lust or whatever it might be. It's based on emotions, obviously, but a whole lot of good work and logic that's good for each of you. Here's what I would also leave the listeners with. If you're in a situation right now where you're saying, my spouse is unwilling, if you feel like you they are unwilling or you do not feel comfortable approaching them about doing something with you right now, then that doesn't mean there's no hope for you. We actually have a whole course designed around exactly where you are. We call it the Save My Marriage course. And that, when you go through it, it will get you to be able to pave that foundation towards hopeful reconciliation in the future. But if you're at a point where you're saying, you know, my spouse is willing, we're talking, they're amicable towards it then the next step I would recommend for those people is our workshop. Because in that workshop, we are going to teach you and your spouse at the same time, not just opening your eyes to what has happened, but teaching you everything you need to know in order to move forward. And I know we've talked a lot in this this episode about exploring reconciliation, but that is really, it has more power in it when it happens right after a couple attends a workshop together. Mm-hmm. So that for that's how I would explain it to people listening. If they're saying, what do I do next? I would say, if your spouse is unwilling, save my marriage course. If they are willing, workshop followed right up by exploring reconciliation is going to be the best system for you to go through. And so let's sum up this episode. What are some key points, takeaways that you can have right now without any other thing but having listened to this episode? The first key takeaway that I have from this episode is that reconciliation is a process and it is similar to thinking about how you fell in love. It didn't happen overnight and it probably also didn't happen over a decade, but it happened over a period of time that felt natural and went with the cadence of what your relationship needed. So when you're thinking about reconciliation, put yourself back in that mindset of this is a process and I don't need to rush it. I just need to make sure I am doing the step that I am in to the best that I can while I'm in that step. Right. 
So another takeaway then that fits right directly with that is don't jump into it thinking you know how to do it. And it's just two people getting back together since we know each other and we're in love with each other once before. Therefore, this should be easy. Unfortunately, if that works for you, we're going to be very happy for you. But we have seen so many cases where that fails. So don't try it too quickly. And in the process, another takeaway is it's there's going to be a time to ask the questions And if you ask them too soon, it's more likely that your spouse will not tell you the truth or not admit his or her liability. There's a way to work up to that where that you can make it comfortable enough where each person feels safe enough emotionally and every other way that the truth can be discussed and you can talk about the issues. And that's the final thing we didn't have time to explain because we didn't have a specific question about it. You will at some point talk about the issues. But not drag it out over months or years. (laughs) That's going to work against you. You're going to talk about the issues. If you go through the process, there's a time to talk about the issues, but enough to deal with them, understand each other, and then move on without camping there. Mm. What else should we say, Kimberly, as we come to the conclusion of this particular episode? Reconciliation is not always easy. And also, please don't get disheartened if your spouse has moved back in or ended the affair or whatever it is, and you still feel stuck. That's normal. Because like we said at the beginning, just because something has stopped doesn't mean that something new has started. And so as we're encouraging you to get started on this new path to reconciliation, remember that some of the first things you can do now today is figure out how can I emotionally connect in a positive way with my spouse? How can we just ask fun questions to each other and not talk about our marriage issues if we're not there yet. That is one great thing you can begin doing today that will help you towards reconciliation in the future. We'd love to help you. You can contact us through our website at Marriage Helper, that's marriagehelper.com, or call our toll-free number that you'll see on the screen right now. We care. We want to do everything we can for you. We genuinely do care. Thank you, Kimberly, for inviting me onto this episode. Well, thank you, Dr. Joe. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. If you have a question you want to ask Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes, follow the link to see which topic is currently up for discussion. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.